Hey oddballs, on this episode we get the latest on NASA discussing strange sightings, Denmark's potato drama on the highways, and the world's most dilapidated haunted house. Even I feel bad about this one. And if that's not a hot enough take for you guys, we got the Newfoundland dragon himself, the PYR to the O, Pyro, on this episode. If it's odd to you, friend, it's on the odd, the Newfoundland. It's the odd, odd, odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. Mysteries, ghosts, monsters, and lore. East Coast esoterica and so much more. If it's up to you, friend, it's on the up to you, found line. <laughs> Greetings from the oldest city in North America. I'm your host, John Mallard, bringing you the best in East Coast esoterica. You, my friend, have stumbled upon the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Welcome to episode 252 of your monthly paranormal variety show. And having you here is better than school's out for summer. Don't forget, folks, make sure you're very, very careful taking those turns. There's lots of kids. They're very, very excited. And they're probably dehydrated as well. Because let's face it. Summer's only one and a half weeks long here in Newfoundland, and school's out forever. Why? Because you're wonderful, a masterpiece, beautifully made, important to people because you're important to me, highly favored by your creator or the law of averages and physics working in tandem. You, my friend, are an oddball, and on this show, your family, and we are one. Long time no speak. So glad to have you here once again on the Other Newfoundland Parable Podcast. You know, John's had a pretty big adventure over the last few months, and I had stuff put in place for you guys, and I'm so glad everything worked out. Even while I wasn't home, a new episode went up, and I thought that was so cool, because I went to Florida, and it was so much fun. Uh, We went to Disney World, we went to H2O Water Park, Johnny went to wrestling school. I mean, it was just so much fun. It really was. We had time for our lives, and uh, you know, once again, for all our new subscribers and people who haven't heard me talk in a while... Thanks for hanging in there, man. The Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast ain't going nowhere. We're available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe from over here, too, and let them know why you love this show. We've got a really cool show lined up for you. A little later in the show, we got my old dear friend Carl coming on, a.k.a. the PYR to the O, Pyro. That's right, an old school friend of mine who's known me since I was probably 13, 14 years old. Um, really, really cool to to have him on and to catch up with him as he's now a family man like myself and just recently purchased a gigantic 20 by 20 wrestling ring. As I mentioned before, we're getting into the wrestling business together and uh, I'm super excited to to have that opportunity once again in my life to express myself in a different way and be weird in a whole different way. Because you know what? It's not normal to wear gigantic hooker boots and tights and perform in front of people. <laughs> I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful spring. It's definitely sprung here in Newfoundland. We had temperatures of, get this, double digits. That's right. We had over 10 degrees Celsius. We're so excited for that. And, you know, for a lot of people out there, they're like grabbing their coats saying, oh, my God, that sounds cold. Newfoundland is cold. It's also very damp. Let's just leave it at that. And hopefully, hopefully soon, sooner than later, we'll see Mr. Sun poke his head out from behind 
those clouds. Remember, gang, wherever you're to, the Odd and Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast is your favorite monthly paranormal variety show. It comes out on the first of every single month. So if you don't see content, it doesn't mean I'm dead. You know, that is so two years ago. It doesn't mean I'm gone. It just means that, you know, we're, we're waiting to 30, sometimes 28, sometimes 30, sometimes 31 days until the next release. I am pumped that we're halfway through the year already. I can't believe it. It's June 1st, and we're going to get going with the paranormal news. <laughs> Somewhere between the funnies <laughs> and, and your obituaries is... Oh, yes. The paranormal news. <laughs> well, NASA held an unusual public meeting today to talk about all the mysteries in the sky. NASA says airline pilots and the Department of Defense have reported at least 800 sightings in the last 27 years of unidentified anomalous phenomenon. It's what we used to call UFOs. Experts say identifying them is like finding a needle in a haystack because there's a lot going on in the sky. Environment that we fly in, space or, you know, an atmospheric flight, very, very conducive to optical illusions. The panel says while these things do exist, there is no evidence they are extraterrestrial in origin. A final report is expected to be released by the end of July. Man, like, okay, so the actual gravity of what they just said in that little tiny thing. The Space Agency, NASA televised a four-hour hearing featuring an independent panel of experts who vowed to be transparent about it, okay? The team includes 16 scientists. 16 scientists and other experts selected by NASA, including retired astronaut Scott Kelly, the first American to spend nearly a year in space. I want to emphasize the loud and proud of this. This is absolutely no convincing evidence of extraterrestrial life associated with this, but, you know, we have no explanation of the 800 sightings that we've gotten. Guys, 800 sightings over 27 years documented by the military. 27 years, 800. Like, do the math on that. That is insane. That is, that's like, that's like uh, okay, so let's say only a small percentage of that is actually aliens. <laughs> like, like, like. Even if it's like one in a hundred, that's credible. I mean, you're still got good eight sightings there in 27 years. That's particularly, I mean, that's amazing. And you got to realize too, technology has advanced so much. It's advanced so much. I wonder how many of those sightings, like how many more there probably was, but we just couldn't document. Because 27 years ago, like, I mean, we're still in the 90s back then. We, 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 you know, the internet's still a baby, really. Like... Can you imagine? There wasn't smartphones 27 years ago. Like, how much more stuff are we going to have five or six years from now? It, it's really exciting. But I'm telling you, there's something about hearing it from them, right from the source, that they have 800, upwards of 800, okay? So there's a bit more than 800, actually, sightings reported. That's like the first time NASA has ever actually put a number to it that's credible and in front of people. With scientists on a panel, I mean, obviously, they're taking this very, very seriously. And rightfully so. Have you seen the movie Independence Day? And don't even start me on Mars Attacks. Honest to God. Honest to God. 
Uh, I gotta calm down a little bit. Maybe have myself a few bags of chips here. In Denmark, though, they're not having bags of chips. They're having bags of fits. It's true. In Denmark, potatoes on the Key Bridge have caused a havoc-driven, driven day. June 1st is a day that will live in infamy, folks. Potatoes are seen scattered across the carriageway in the western part of the Great Belt Bridge, Denmark, Thursday. A 57-year-old truck driver was was driving Thursday and was detained after loads of potatoes have been found on the Key Bridge linking two Danish islands. Police had said that he may or may not have been under the influence, we're not sure, but adding the man was suspected of reckless causes, imminent danger to others because of his driving. So this is a spill, okay? Basically what happened, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of potatoes. This guy had a gigantic truck full of them. A first spill was reported in the westward direction on the Storebelt Bridge at 6.35 a.m. Police spokesman Kenneth Thinkwood said, adding a similar incident happened shortly after in the opposite direction. You know, the 57-year-old truck driver was actually arrested for this, and apparently it was considered, get this, an act of Danish terrorism. I'm (laughs) So, like... Uh, the police said the roads have become slippery and urged drivers to drive slower. According to the Danish Road Directorate, lines of vehicles were reported on either side and roughly 18 kilometers worth of highway was covered in potatoes. This is posing a major health risk. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop laughing. This is causing a major pope. So basically, this guy fills up this gigantic loading truck, okay? It's it's a massive 18-wheeler, blocked, chocked with potatoes. And these potatoes apparently are what you call the aged variety. So these, excuse me, these, these potatoes are a little bit older, okay, than your standard potato coming right out of the garden. They might be a few weeks old. They're, they're pretty much ready to be shipped out. They're a little soft. They're, they're going to restaurants. They're, they're going to restaurants to be you know, hacked up and served to people. But anyway, these potatoes are already soft. So what do you think happened as soon as he hit that latch? On purpose, I might add, because it's an act of terrorism in Denmark. (laughs) Oh my God, hundred thousands of potatoes all over the place. Have you seen the pictures? You die laughing. And like, I can see the cops now, like coming out the potatoes with their sour cream and bacon ready to go. It's going to be deadly, right? But uh, unfortunately, that's not not so much the case. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. No one's as lonely as this haunted house, though. This abandoned haunted mansion. It's bigger than Buckingham Palace and it's left the rot in the same place, obviously, for 20 years. It's in Sussex. And it's been standing half-finished for two decades after its millionaire owner fell out with the architect. And some say it could even be haunted. If you've ever driven over the East Sussex border... Along A22, you might have caught a glimpse of a sprawling mansion property known as Hamilton Palace. But the $40 million property is, isn't the lavish home you might imagine it to be, though. On the inside, after 20 years, it's been left. And left half-finished, unfortunately. And to this day, it is still covered in scaffolding and discarded building blocks and warning signs littering the grounds that stands on for everyone to keep out. Hamilton Palace was once thought to be one of the most expensive private houses under construction in Britain. But still, almost four decades after construction began in 85, the mansion's never been finished. The home 
which is the facade that is no longer the Buckingham Palace, was designed for British multimillionaire and convicted criminal Nicholas Van Hoogestraten, who, after falling out with his architect over 20 years ago back in 2000, worked on a mansion, came to a halt, and the building has been in limbo ever since. So why the haunted reports? Well, apparently it is a magnet for paranormal investigators, and people have been breaking into this, which is something I don't condone, by the way. They've been breaking into this gigantic mansion and filming private ghost hunts there. And what they've come across is actually some pretty spooky stuff. What they say is that it actually is multiple spirits in the location as if they've taken up residence there because nobody wants this gigantic mansion. And let's be honest, if you're a ghost, I mean, you're either going to haunt the Playboy Mansion or you're going to haunt this mansion because it's a $40 million property. Lots to do in the afterlife there, I would imagine. But apparently the spooks there are not very happy with people coming there. And they've been putting out some pretty creepy evidence from there. Anyhow, this supposed Buckingham Palace is left to rot for 20 years. So I don't think people are going to be missing much by not moving into this place. But be warned. Usually when spirits move in and no one's actually died on the grounds, they might have been there when they dug the place up. Be very, very careful if you do decide to venture there with your ghost box in hand. You never know what ancient burial site might be under there. <laughs> Hi, it's time to check on our old friend Nessie. The Loch Ness Monster Hunter himself was in this article. And, you know, he thought the job would be easier, though. Steve Feltham has dedicated his life to solving the mystery of Loch Ness Monster. He gave up his job and sold his home in Dorset to move the doors on the shores of Loch back in 91. Now, after more than 30 years of searching for Nessie, he said he thought the task would have been easier. Mr. Feltham has his first sighting of something I explained within his first year of his search and had hoped to make further sightings soon thereafter. He told BBC Radio's Good Morning Scotland program, I had a glimpse into something like a torpedo that went through the water. I did think this job was going to be easier, as I had a sighting in the first year and I thought it'd be long until a second sighting would come along. The Loch Ness Monster may be a giant deal. You know, is he a tourist conspiracy? Is the Loch Ness Monster uh, uh, just a, a, an old dinosaur that's stuck in the Loch? Like, nobody really knows. Now, Mr. Felton added that it's it's where I'm stopped at the moment, still waiting for the second glimpse of something unexplained. Because I'm a full-time, I speak to hundreds of people who do report something that we can't identify in a place, but I can't pinpoint what it actually is. Mr. Feltham's addiction and dedication to his search saw him named Ambassador of the Year back in 2016. Highlands and Islands Tourism Awards are not handed out to anybody who isn't strategically part of the folklore of the area, and he's a wealth of knowledge. So even he doesn't know what this thing is. Previously, he'd been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Record as the longest continuous vigil hunting for the Loch Ness Monster. The Nessie Hunter's continuing efforts come 90 years after what is described as the first modern sighting of the monster. Back in 1933 was a lovely April day. Hotel manageress Aldi McKay told of seeing a whale-like creature in the Loch's water cascading and churning. The Inverness Courier, a newspaper, reported the sighting, and the editor at the time, Evan Barron, suggested the beast be described as a monster, kick-starting the modern myth of Nessie. In an interview years later, Mr. and Mrs. McKay said she had been something black, wet, and she actually saw something black, wet, and the water rolling off it, moving in a circle. She described it as a beast to her husband, and thus the legend was born. 
Now, back in 2019, scientists reported the creatures behind repeated studies may be giant eels, which is something they, they've kind of pushed for. But let's be honest, we still don't know. There's no evidence of a prehistoric marine reptile called a plesiosaur or a large fish like a sturgeon being found. Catfish and suggestions that are a wandering Greenland—a sh wandering Greenland shark—were behind the sightings were also discounted. We just don't know what Nessie is, and yet it continues to intrigue us all. And to be quite honest with you, my little paranormal heart kind of feels like I don't want them to figure out who Nessie is or what he is. I want that myth to live on forever. I want him to be, you know, kind of like Bigfoot, the undefeated champion of underwater hide-and-seek. You know what's really creepy? AI. And, you know, I just keep hearing more and more and more about AI and how it's going to take over the world and kill us all. But, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of warnings, except for one psychic. Humans will lose control of AI when it comes to smart, this psychic warned. Brazilian psychic Alto Salome says artificial intelligence is only getting smarter, but maybe under the control of something inhuman with unknown motives. Now, humanity will lose control of its own creation. It is something that's been destined to happen, but regulations are being put in place, especially by Canada. In an interview with the UK news outlet Salome, who was who's been dubbed a living Nostradamus for his prophecy, said that if an AI surpasses human capability in all areas, we could lose control over its actions and its consequences, and called for talks to be held on preventing any of these possible outcomes. Moreover, Salome told the Daily Star that AI has motivations unknown and may be controlled by something else, something inhuman. Now, AI technology has been has seen huge leaps in advancement in recent years, with it being adopted by different industries across the global economy. And, you know, this includes arguably the most well-known AIs, generative AIs like ChatGPT Bot and Dali Art Generator. Two of the things I've actually used, which I think are super cool, uh, <laughs> like the coolest thing. However, some have taken note that the possible dangers posed by AI far outweigh the benefits. According to a survey from Stanford's University Institute for Human-Centered AI, a third of researchers felt AI decision-making could lead to a nuclear-level catastrophe. It further noted that someone could make the AI that could lead to a disaster for humanity, something someone already tried with the AI chatbot, which had the goal of destroying humanity, taking over the world, and becoming immortal. Oh boy, we're, we're in for a big trouble. In addition, despite safeguards put in place to prevent the AI from doing anything that could be harmful, such as making computer viruses or dismantling false information, and also throwing it out there, there are still workarounds that people have found. So maybe it's not so much the AI becoming sentient, it's that people realize, hey, I can use this to take over the world and not have any blame. <laughs> One example noted in Stanford's report is that researcher Matt Corda, who managed to trick ChatGPT into giving him rather precise estimations, <laughs> recommendations and instructions needed to build a dirty bomb. Do you know what a dirty bomb is? It's a bomb that's, that's like, you don't want that to go off in your city. It's going to be full of all kinds of stuff. However, this is also a topic world leaders seem to be taking seriously. G7 set to meet to discuss the problems posed by AI for just recently and also nuclear war. So it's at that level of worry for people. I mean, this is serious. In addition, the European Union is also moving towards enacting the world's first major legislation on AI, inspiring other governments to consider what rules should be placed to AI tools, and, and much like any advancement in technology. Like, I'm all about, all about having that, you know, rules and sanctions and stuff put all over that. Because you know what? At the end of the day, it's freaking terrifying. 
It truly is terrifying what they can do with AI. Like, we're doomed. <laughs> Skynet's going to go live, and the Terminator's going to come, and Arnold's too old to save us now. Like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Maybe we should all live wait to get jacked. I always think about that that one line he says. He says he describes himself as an endoskeleton. <laughs> I love that thing. AI is an incredibly powerful tool that could lead to some serious problems down the road. But I see the benefits of it as well. Maybe it's like Facebook. You know, Facebook was used to mine information from people. And there's like millions and millions of dollars in lawsuits now. I wonder if they can put stuff in place to make AI only benefit us and only us. Our last story, I'm saving the best for last because a past guest is all over the news. Owen Sound Area Bigfoot Sightings reports draw the Sasquatch University Society. Sasquatch University TV show crew were in the Owen Sound area Saturday, April 8, 2023, filming an episode of their Bigfoot hunting TV show premiering on Wild TV. Left to right, cameraman Chase Smits and co-host and former guest on my show, Ryan Willis, you know, were kind of there for it all. Ryan Willis says he has credible Bigfoot sightings in Owen Sound area, so how could he not check them out? He and Joe Porter co-host a TV show called Sasquatch University. It premieres on Wild on September 25th. The Owen Sound episode will be among the first of 13 weekly episodes. They started the Trent, Trent University Sasquatch Society, which zooms in scientists and other talks on the Peterborough Club. Hearing from all top researchers in the Bigfoot community, said Willis, who is president, fresh from a night hunt Friday near Proton Station in southeast Gray County, they made their way to Owen Sound to shoot some footage to include in the show before heading out again on a second Sasquatch soiree Saturday night. They're looking for Bigfoot or tracks or Sasquatch hair or strange howls to record and send off to be identified, the trans student said. Think of the blurry 1967 film featuring that tall hairy beast, slightly stooped, with a lopping gait that Patterson Gilman you know, I really hope they get something on that level. I really do. The young Sasquatch hunters were recent the young Sasquatch hunters were reticent to say they were hunting Saturday night, lest pranksters catch wind and show up in monkey suits. <laughs> good point, good point. They've received reports and quite credible ones too, which they thought would make a good episode for the show. So, that's why they're in Owen Sound. It's kind of like saying how many bears exactly live in this one spot, Willis said. It's very hard to answer the stories and, and come up with excuses to keep debunking the idea that something large and hairy is there because it's large and hairy and there. Just in general, there's like thousands of witness testimonies, folks. And the question is, why would all these people lie? What advantages is it to them? I wonder if there's really, truly something to it. Man, I think it's great that he's there. And I'm so glad to see a former guest of mine all over the paranormal news with his new TV show like he said he'd do. Maybe I'll get Ryan Willis to come back on. I think that'd be pretty cool. And, you know, he's a, he's a really cool cat. He really is a really nice guy. Anyhow, I'll tag him in this episode. Don't you dare go away. It's time for our guest. The views and opinions discussed on this show are of the guests and host. They do not reflect the views or opinions of associated sponsors or affiliates. Parking for Alien Spacecraft is available in the listener's backyard. If no backyard is available, you may want to warn your neighbors.
Enjoy at your own risk. All right. Welcome back to the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Before we jump in with tonight's guest, I just want to tell you guys a little something. Have you ever recorded something and had it done so well and it was so beautiful, it sounded good, and then you realize there's a sound in the background and all of a sudden the whole thing goes up in flames, right? It just, it just, it's just absolutely useless. Absolutely useless. So what do you do? You call Pyro. No, 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 no. You call Accusanus, okay? Accusanus is software you put on your computer that actually helps you with a click of a knob, just a little turn, a little click of a button and a knob, turns you into the best editor ever. So you can get rid of that weird sound that's in the background. If you got a cat that's purring in the background, you got to get rid of, like Wince over here, right, Wince? Hi, Wince. Carl's cat's here with him. You know, we could edit out the purring, although we're not going to do it because he's freaking adorable. The, the other thing, too, with Akisanos, which I really appreciate, is the fact that you can use it on any computer. The software can go with, you know, like Sony Vegas. It can go with um, GarageBand. It can go with all kinds of stuff. Whether it's 10 years old or brand new, it, it, as long as it got the plug-in, man, it's going to go in there. So, well worth the cash. I use it constantly. You know, once again, you can isolate a sound in this thing. With a turn of a knob, get rid of it. And I'm telling you, like, that is a really big relief to somebody who hasn't got a studio like myself, who likes to do a little bit of traveling sometimes and go to people's houses and record them. Anyway, guys, check out the show notes. You got Accusana software. The show notes are down there. Tell them Johnny Chaos sent you. Anyway, tonight's guest is an old dear friend of mine. An old, old friend of mine. Probably one of my oldest living, still talking to me friends, actually. Uh, you know, I met this guy when I was very, very young. How old was I? About mm, 14. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty young, right? And when he came on the scene, wrestling wasn't a part of my life yet, really. But the weirdness was, that's for sure. I have had the pleasure of having him walk back into my life not too long ago. And as I mentioned before, I'm getting back into the wrestling biz. And maybe from a little point of view, a little bit different this time. This crazy person sitting across me right now is the owner of a 20 by 20 professional wrestling ring, the biggest in the province. $4,000 light show. And counting. And counting. Yeah, that's our little breadcrumb for all you fans out there of the Fed that will not be named. <laughs> the Voldemort Fed, we call it. Uh, you know, Carl, I'm starting to think you're an absolute lunatic here. Or should I call you the PYR to the O, Pyro? You can call me whatever you want. It's your podcast. <laughs> I'm going to call you Pyro. No, no, Carl, Carl. I've got to stick with Carl. This is, this is not a work. This is not a work. Johnny Chaos and Pyro are coming back. And uh, it's, it's been a really interesting few months. From people looking at me and saying, you guys are crazy, to other people looking at me and saying, you haven't got a business plan, you won't survive, to we now have a 20 by 20 professional wrestling ring ready to go. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Carl, how are you feeling about all this? I'm feeling growingly confident as the weeks progress, as the uh, product began to manifest itself piece by piece, I felt uh, more and more confident with what I feel like we can put out there and the difference in the vision for what we have to put forth compared to what we've currently been seeing and what we've already been a part of in our past experience years and years ago for whatever it was worth, good and the bad, you know, take, take it for what it's worth. We had a good run. And I feel like now it's time to uh, do something different. You know, my recent health scares definitely got a lot to do with it on my end of things. It's the 
it's the you're going to have a midlife crisis before you're 50 now <laughs> for me you know that 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 health scare was enough to say okay time for me to go do the things i love to do before my body won't let me do it anymore which is going to happen sooner than later how are you feeling physically are you are you up to it yet are you getting there are you getting the reps in yeah uh well i started a new regime uh you know to a certain Somebody gave us a certain something program. <laughs> Keep it on the down low. K-Paving, straight K-Paving right now on that one. But yeah, I've started something different, doing some movements I normally wasn't used to. I have a lot of equipment on my own. I've always stayed in good shape, but uh, not like ring shape. You know, as everybody knows out there, anybody can be in what you call quote-unquote good shape, but it's a lot different from in ring shape. In ring condition, you got to be ready to, you know, get hit again. I'm sure it's going to be uh, a large hill to climb, but with uh, motivation and pride behind me, I guess I'll continue to, uh, again, manifest it into reality. Yeah, like since my last podcast, I, I actually haven't had a chance to tell everyone, like, I've gone to wrestling school now. I've gone and got training now since last time we've been on this show talking to people. and And to know that... I got that now, and and we have the ring now too. I really feel like every little move on the chessboard is starting to get to where we want it to be. On my end, for you though, what what's some of the things that you feel like you'd like to have ready, so to speak, before a promotion actually gets started? Um, well, given our long duration away from the ring, I figure the best course of action, and also the idea that we're not in a rush to just go perform a show. We want to fine tune a product and, you know, get ourselves ready in best condition before we just go out there and, you know, perform in front of the audience in Newfoundland again. So I figure the most important thing is to get an established location where we can all truly practice and truly take the bumps and get used to falling down again before we even worry about going anywhere in front of anybody else. And, and to me, like that's totally innovative compared to what's been here so far, yeah. because the majority of promotions open up, and they'll have seminars with guys they'll bring down and stuff, which is great. But you know, once again, you got to learn as you go. We had to learn as we went. Me, me and Carl, we, we actually debuted on the same night together, all the way back. Was it nineteen ninety nine or two thousand? Was two thousand? Yes, yeah, right. You were. My God, our first show, first night. Can you remember that night, Carl? You remember yeah. much of it? Tuck in your boots, tuck in your shirt, tuck everything in. Apparently, uh, you know, in, in the year 2000, it's it's cool for you to tuck all of your clothes. Your promoter tells you, tuck all of your clothes in. <laughs> no, you don't have, don't have your shirt untucked to your sleeves untucked. I guess what I didn't realize at the time, uh, being 15 years old, not even, not actually technically not even 15 yet, if you look at the timeline, I was almost that. Well, workday's not till July 5th. Um, but, the promoter was just trying to make sure my full body was covered so that the older men who I was wrestling with, like the actual men, wouldn't have to sell to a kid. Basically, that makes sense to me now, you know. You, you can't have your, your body shown at all. It, you know, this sweater, like, wear two sweaters, wear two pairs of pants. It's like, that was, it was super small. But hey, man, it was a good time. <laughs> I remember my first ever entrance, and I came out. And slipped on a fan sign and fell into the audience. You remember that? Yeah. And I was so embarrassed. But lucky me, I landed on all the girls I would eventually sleep with over the next 20 years. <laughs> so it, it all worked out great. <laughs> I got held up. 
by the hands that would hold my balls eventually. There you go. <laughs> oh, my. Carl, there there are so many things to talk about, but you know, me and you have been intertwined in our lives quite a lot. But there was a space there about 13 years we weren't. It's a long time. Yeah. And a lot of good things happened for both of us, but now we've kind of come back together. The power couple's back together, baby. Yeah. Right? I think of the first times we hung out as kids, even before wrestling. And I think yeah. of your mom's house, and I think of the old computer and firing up and watching you play Dragon Ball Z games. Dragon Ball Z was a major part of our childhood, by the, the way. The discovery of the Dragon Ball Z uh, and like the music videos yes. that were just, just being made on a monthly basis at the time. Uh, that, and that showed us scenes of... This is before YouTube, by the way. Oh, yeah. Le- legit. The, from, it was like Kazaa and whatever else. It was LimeWire. <laughs> LimeWire. And then FrostWire. Something, yeah, that was it. That was the other one. I'm going to get a virus wire. Yeah. <laughs> Perpetual virus. For memory, yeah. Essentially, hey, man, but they showed us those cool music videos. Either way, the scenes were of images and stuff from like GT and stuff that had never been translated at that point in time. So it just was like the dawning of the internet sharing age and you know, we got to see stuff that eventually would be you know translated to english and you get to have like a, a dvd copy of it. but at that time it was super sick and i i, I remember the first experience being like whoa look at that and it would be kind of like we would throw you know every kid at that time was like throwing punches and powering up and slamming each other around so it, it just translated quite well i got i got a memory that time where you're talking about all that i can remember it was, I think it was spring, and you were out on your mom's deck in the backyard, and you had your hand full of snow, and you were powering up, going like this, and then you threw the snow away, and you looked at, and look, matter, look at my hand, and I looked over, and there was steam coming off your hand. <laughs> You're like, look, the power surges. I can remember that. Like, yes, but this is Canada, and every, you know, it's cold outside, so you're gonna see steam anyway. Brother, you're not super saiyan. You're super freezing. <laughs> I can remember uh, other things on that computer, too. I remember the old oddities file. Yeah. Now, how interesting is this? So beloved is that memory to me. There was actually a section on my show for many years. I no longer do it now, but it was called oddities, where I talked about 10 real facts about an unreal world, stuff that was actually 100% qualified scientifically that were so strange. And that name came from that oddities file. And inside that oddities file was just the weirdest stuff. But, uh, you know, can you remember some of the stuff there in that file? Yeah. They, they came from some old website, Rotten.com, I believe. <laughs> the old site that had the majority of those and then Weekly World News and whatever else. But yeah, there was like Bat Boy and I feel like there was, oh, the bearded lady dude or whatever. I remember that. <laughs> so we named him like Molder's girlfriend. It would, it would change to be someone, we'd always change it to someone's girlfriend. It was always the Bat <laughs> Yeah, girlfriend. I remember that. Yeah, I'm sure I bet you one of my old hard drives, that probably <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mulder if you're still alive. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, I hope he's doing okay anyway, wherever the hell he is. Hopefully, hopefully, if he's on the mainland, he's away from the fires. That's, yeah. my, that's my hope. I don't know where he is. Alberta's on fire right now. So is Nova Scotia. So mm-hmm. let's let's have a bit of rain out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bat Boy, special place in my heart, of course, mm-hmm. because 14, around that age is when I started buying the Weekly World News is... And uh, maybe even a bit before that, you can actually buy the magazine up at the old Irving before I go to my summer home. Yeah, and, uh, when, we were, when I was a kid, kid. Yeah, I yeah. remember that boy being when I was like probably like 10 or 11. Yep. I was like, you're not scared of him, but I was kind of like, oh, Bat Boy, you know? <laughs> thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we never had Batman. We had Bat Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Bat, the Bat Boy now has a musical. What do you think about that? 
Uh, man, I only learned about this tonight. But uh, if, there's, if there's ever a downloadable or YouTube thing for me to watch, it's definitely Bat Boy the Musical. <laughs> like the the fact that you're intertwined in that history with me and, and can kind of relate to it is interesting, I think, for people because they've heard me tell the story about how I want my show to be just like the Weekly World News. You flip the page and we're talking about something different, right? Speaking of something different, pro wrestling comes about. And I'm going to ask you a question now. <laughs> Do you remember a certain incident that took place at the junior high? You know, you may or may not have tried to give me a crossbody. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Look, I knew. Look, man, I could see it over time. You super sidestepped 100%. <laughs> Don't think I ever forgot about that. Man, brutal. Look, straight up. That happened. Okay, so like... He wanted to crossbody me. No, okay? it was it was flip. I did the flip over. <laughs> whatever. Pancha, whatever they call whatever it. Whatever he wanted to do. Pancha. Give me okay. the wrestling move, okay? I was over visiting him at school. Yeah. He wanted to give it to me. And everyone was watching him. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? It was random. You know what? You know what? He never called this. Like, I'm not getting paid for this. Like, we're <laughs> like oh, what's in it for me? I saw it step, boom. And and to make it worse, I'm pretty sure you landed on a storm drain. That was there no, in the grass. No, landed on the grass. For some not, reason, I remember a storm drain. I don't feel there. like it was anything additional. I feel like it was just regular old grass. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I I could see you sidestep in the air. Like, I never forget it. It felt like, like I could like legitimately see you go, zoom. Yeah. And I went, bang. And then, man, it was brutal. That could have been the big time. It could have been the one yes, time. I, look, I don't care. Nothing I can do about it. We'll Shogunayo. Just, we'll just, Shogunayo out there, everybody. Japanese. Shogunayo. Yeah, and then we'll get into the Japanese portion of this a little bit later. We're not there yet. That's like 20 years from now, okay? But anyway, you doing a move to me and me moving and sidestepping you, Small Joe totally ripped me off and took that idea. And he's been doing it for years. Go. <laughs> God love him. I can remember very vividly the the silly, this, just the overall silliness of her younger years and the madness of it all. And I'm not saying the paranormal was a big part of it, but it was definitely in the background a little bit. The weirdness was there. And, I, and I'm glad that I can talk about that with you and, and have lots of laughs. So let's just jump right into something totally random. Okay. Five most favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? What are they, Carl? Uh, in in what, any order or just like- In any order. It doesn't matter. In any order. Cool. So like pinball- Tale of Pinball Wizard, and uh, Tale of Station 10, 109 or 111 or whatever. This the station. I, I'm not Googling right now, so that's, I'm just going off. <laughs> going on memory. Yeah. But with the one Gilbert Goffrey in it, and he plays the station owner of the the uh, state radio station where the ghosts go to to transition to the afterlife. And, and wow, Ryan Gosling is in that episode. Is he really? Yes, Kid Ryan Gosling is That's the older so brother. Weird. There you go. It's weird. Check it, it out. Kid Ryan Gosling, <laughs> older brother, super crappy Canadian <laughs> <laughs> really good at the same time, but super. Hey man, amazing. they got Gilbert Godfrey. He was a yeah, big star back in the nineties. You know, Ryan Gosling. People love him. He's Ken right now. He's perv. He's Ken. So whatever. <laughs> right? uh, Pimo was that one. You said, oh, um, set your wind. Was you like favorite. that one? Yeah. What's the one with the the tail of badge? It was called uh, Watchers Woods, Thirteenth Floor, and Nightly Neighbors. Nightly Neighbors, awesome. So the fact that you can remember those names. People are gonna be like, okay, we need to go look at that now. Oh, maybe. <laughs> are you afraid of the deck? Can you? There might be somebody who heard that and is like, oh yeah, I remember that episode. What I have to Google it. I remember the I remember the ghastly grinner, but only because it was the name and it was kind of like a, a comic book thing. Was I like comic books, but it's weird to think back on watching all those shows 
and wondering like how much this influenced what we were going to be when we got older, right? And what parts of it that we listened to. And for me, unfortunately, I think I took the paranormal part a little bit too far. But the anime part seemed to really stick with you, Carl. <laughs> man, oh man. So things have changed quite a lot for you from those times. Like you jump ahead, what, 13, 14, 15 years maybe? Wow, that's a that's an extremely big jump. Now look at you. Machine operator. Dude runs a big machine the size of his house. That's what he does for a living. Well, size of, size of a big room of your house. Well, there you go, but it's, it's still very, very dangerous and very, very demanding. It's pretty cool, yeah. It's a cool job. Got a, I'm not going to say hot Asian wife because. She's pretty hot. Okay, fine. I'll say it. You got a hot Asian wife and you got a little boy, Kaz. Like, life is so much different for you now than what it was before. And just to let everybody out there know, like, how hardcore this motherfucker is, he's been sitting here with something in his eye for the last 20 minutes and still pushing through this. <laughs> Why? Because he's hardcore and he only got eyes for Johnny Gas. Talk to me a little tiny bit about Japanese culture and how it's influenced you because you've changed quite a lot, no doubt. Mm. No doubt. Yeah, well, straight up, um, since meeting my wife and going over there, I never really left Newfoundland to do anything at all. Like, I hate planes, I hate leaving. But then I met her and I needed to go. She came here first to meet me, of course. And then, like, you know, because that's what her plan, I guess. You know, I got to follow whatever she does at first. You know how it is. And she came to meet me. We, we uh, agreed to meet in her country then to... Uh, see her family and stuff. And once I actually like had the balls to leave and go there, which the entire flight was like over 20, 24 hour travel time from where I am. And I was awake the entire time because I get really sick on the plane, motion sickness anywhere. And man, as soon as I got off the plane, I had to go and like have dinner with everybody there. And so it was really long <laughs> and I was so sick experience, but it was so worth it. And once I became like normalized to the, like where I'm to, which took like two or three days, I guess I realized, wow, this place is so different than anything I've ever known. And the people, the way they talk to you and treat you and the way they treat each other. That's the best, that's the key point, okay? It's the way they treat each other and their land around them that I found to be so different. It's like everybody's cleaning up. All the like super old people all weekend long, first thing in the morning when they're out cleaning up the streets and they're like, I'm like, I asked my wife and her family, what are these guys doing? You know, so they were like 70 plus to people outside, like at least that, right? And, uh, my, they told me that that's, they're all retired and they can't have any other job, but they, they need to do something or, or they don't feel like they're useful. So this is a volunteer service and they're all just like cleaning up the streets and doing like, doing like the work that nobody else wants to do. Everybody smokes cigarettes over there. Everybody. There's not a cigarette butt on the ground. I challenge you to walk anywhere and look your head down and try to find a cigarette butt in Japan. It's amazing. They're so clean despite like, Everybody smokes even more than here. It's like a eighties, eighties kind of vibe for the cigarettes, but clean as clean as clean gets. It's people are so great. And I really appreciate, uh, the impact that they've had on me and my existence in every capacity from small to big. Um, the, the way they work every day, how hard they work. I got to go there and work alongside them <clears throat> on multiple occasions. Uh, one point in time for over like 70 days consecutively 
when we were on parental leave and they are did my family particularly now i'm talking about and then all those around them of course too but i'm just speaking solely of the ones i you know who impacted me the most and they are up uh, like five o'clock in the morning like physically working in the super heat and then working all throughout the whole day small break for lunch all evening small 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 break for supper like the smallest supper break they don't sometimes they don't even have it they just has like a it's like a what would be like a 15 minute break here at work in regular Canada they have that and that's they still work for it like you know it's, it's, it's insane then they go home and then usually have to go back out again at 10 o'clock to work again it's like non-stop working and everybody works together no one fights and if they do fight when the work is over they don't bring it to work the next day shogunayo it's like you know it's all you can do I learned so many so many philosophies and so many one word things and I realized like that uh, human uh, nature that I've never encountered here in Newfoundland whatsoever and that rubbed off on me big time and it caused me to kind of change again at, at that stage of my life and turn into kind of something else and I guess if it wasn't for them I never would be and I'm really grateful for for all my Japanese family <laughs> I think the really cool part of this you know you got to go to Japan when wrestling is a part of the culture. Oh, yeah. Tell me a little tiny bit about seeing like live Japan wrestling up close and personal because yeah. you had a very different experience to what we'd have in North America. Big time. I saw New Japan Pro Wrestling three times when I was here. And two of them was uh, during the, uh, what do you call it, G1? Is that, was, yep. Yeah. And they were really good seats like because they, my family had to hook up. They like, just like SS seating or whatever. And I saw that the... Two of the three times, you can actually see me on the camera the very first time I'm there in the SS seating. Apparently, everybody told me that, uh, like, texted me during the show and said, we just saw you. You look super rotted. And I was like, what? And I realized, yeah, because that's when they announced Kenny Omega wasn't going to be there. <laughs> that was my first trip to Japan. And I was like, what? Man, I wanted to see Kenny Omega so bad. I only came here, like, you know, to see him and everybody else under and that he's the one who's not going to be here. The only one who's not going to be here. Like, oh, man. So I looked, apparently looked so sucky. Nonetheless, made the best of it. And it was a really great time. And the, the uh, I found that um, from being a wrestler myself and only wrestling for a couple hundred people at a time, you know, com- compared to being in the buildings there, that two of the three times were in the same Corrigan Hall. And the other one was in some one that they were just trying out some, like, big gym though like big uh, ballet uh, gymnastics arena like it was one on a different side of Tokyo they had to take a couple trains to get there we only ever went to that place one time and it, that was a little bit different I, I kind of preferred the other setting and Corrigan Hall better because every you can hear every single fan's voice and everybody's not fighting to scream like in North America including yourself like so I, I had to change the way I uh, cheer as a, as a wrestling fan automatically because I was assimilated into the culture so I, I just didn't do, like Kenny Omega came out and my wife's like why aren't you doing the second time I seen him why aren't you doing what you're supposed to like why aren't you getting excited and I'm like oh I am this is me trying to be excited but if it was here I'd be like standing up and like jumping around. Like, don't want me jumping around. But there, because of the way the culture is, I didn't want to jump around. That's right. Naturally, like it, what was controlling me wasn't jumping around. You know, yeah. it's just because it's the way the people are. You got to go over there and respect them. To, and if you show them respect, they super shows it to you. I think it's really, really cool that you've taken this part of your life and married it to your past a little bit here. 
So now you're not just going to be the PYR to the old pyro. You're going to be the Newfoundland dragon. And this idea is a completely different character. And I'm not saying you got to tell us anything about this character right now. But I can ask you one question. Are you going to keep the mask on at all times? Mm, I don't know. It doesn't, no, it doesn't need to be. It never needed to be. It just it was kind of it seals the deal for the for the gimmick, for the look, for the the I don't know, for lack of a better term, shock and awe. Like, look, what I think wrestling, and I noticed about everywhere I, where I watched it, the pageantry uh, is what always made you like it more. Like in the nineties, in the big surgeons. It was like you like to watch the, the the additional lights and screens. You like to watch the fireworks. You like to watch the outfits. You know, like everybody had this like the cool look. Sometimes they were too much, no doubt. But a lot of times the cool looks made you really like remember that. And even years later, people are still thinking about them, talking about them, emulating them in some capacities. So like, I want to try with this new character to bring a little more of that to the table. Whereas like previous uh, iterations of my gimmicks or whatever relied on um, like the thumbtacks and the barbed wire and the tables, adders, chairs all the time, because that seemed to be uh, also what was popular in pop culture. It, which, which is true. Absolutely. It, was, it really was. We were, when I, was, I mean, I had the extreme title when I was 18 and I was in high school. I remember bringing it to school and showing everyone. <laughs> and at that time, it was 1999, 2000 time, like before then. And then, boom, we had it, what, 2001? You were, you were probably champion in 2001. I think 2001. 2002. And that was like right I'm at the peak. You were grade 12. So 2002 was when you were the champion. You yeah. were the dream champion. Because we were that was our second year of real, yes. fully wrestling wrestling. Right, because we had to work behind the scenes for yeah. a couple of years to oh, yes. even be allowed into it. That doesn't exist anymore now. No, people don't realize that back yeah. then we did it. We paid $20 a month and lifted to lift their ring and to, to yeah. go to the store and be... And I gladly would if I was at the same age at the same time do it again because that's what you know in some ways that's why quote unquote pain dues in some way kind of is it adds up you know uh, and I'm not saying that I, I like I, I am kind of proud to do it I guess it, it, you know it is what it is you can't deny it like it, it was you were a kid and you had to pay your dues some way so lift the ring do the camera work it paid the money to do to do the bumps or whatever like yep. it is what it is there's different ways of going to wrestling school like, and that was something that was explained to me. Like, you know, like we, we always look at it like, no, you have to go to a legit professional wrestling school to have legit professional wrestling experience. That's not true. A lot of guys and gals, especially famous ones, have learned as they went. The Hardy Boys weren't firmly trained when they were in WWE. They learned as they went. They had a lot of dark matches, though, and they were just fantastic wrestlers. So to give you an example, there's, there's, there's many guys out there who learn as they go. There's also people who are freaks of nature. Like, oh, my God. What's his name in WWE right now? The guy who's like a big YouTuber. Oh, uh, Logan. Yes. Oh, Jay my Paul. God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the Paul Burrs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Like, you got to give him respect. Uh, like, obviously, this guy went to school and he trained and stuff, but my God, I never seen him. Yeah. It's, it's, through, it's yeah. there, right? Like, he's like, he went out there and, like, he was keeping up with Seth Rollins, who, in my opinion, is probably this generation's Bret Hart, really. Like, amazing wrestler. Has, has, just makes everyone look amazing who he wrestles. Except for that time he oh, killed Sting. <laughs> what I love about him too the most, because I, I don't really watch modern products. I only watch spots and stuff like that. But what I love about him also, besides his natural ability, 
and to be over as it is already his outfit. He always puts major cash, obviously, because he can, yeah. into his cool outfits. And that's what I'm trying to say. If you, if you, at that level, especially, you gotta, you gotta have cool outfits. Mm. And you gotta have, like, your look gotta be, your, your look gotta match your abilities. And this dude is gonna be so great in the ring and have such good, uh, popularity already following him. Then his, his outfits got to match all of that. And I believe he super does that like, yep. big, big time. I, I, my hat's off to, to people at those levels who it's one thing to be a big name, but to be a big name and stay at the top level for five, 10, 15 years, like that's, that doesn't happen very often, right? So there you go, Seth Rollins. You certainly deserve that new belt. Well, I like to call it the new intercontinental title. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk a little tiny bit about the paranormal influence because we haven't even chatted about the paranormal at all and we've almost got a half hour booked here, like Don. We're at 29. Tell me everything paranormal and you got about 27 seconds. No, I'm joking. But what parts of the paranormal do you like? Like, I, I know for a fact there were many times over the years where you would randomly mention me and be like, UFO, I saw this. And yeah, like, like because- what was going on there? Oh, legitimate, because I'm always like awake super late. Mm-hmm. And when I'm if I'm looking at the same thing, like, okay, you walk by the same window, you know the same stars, you know the same. So if there's something there that's not there, even if it's only like a satellite or yep. whatever, like a normal, just like long hanging, you know, like star-ish type yep. thing, you, you're going to notice it. So like there's, and sometimes one or two of those were like cl- seemingly to where I was closer than, than what should be. So I, I, given those two things put together, I wanted to call you because you were at a similar, yeah. I might know where you were too. I could say, okay, look in this direction. Now you look this way all the time. <laughs> yeah. you, you, doesn't this thing look different? And yeah. that's after happening many times, but given the additional satellites that are after going up the, I, I realized. It's crazy. Yeah. That thing Elon Musk has got going on. Yeah, there's satellites everywhere. So even those couple of, like the fifteen, ten years, ten years ago, I guess probably twelve years ago is what's in time in question. When I maybe when I asked you that for the first time, because there really definitely was like a not a moving in any fast way. It was like it was just probably super satellite. Like it stayed yep. there. But as I was looking at it, I could clearly tell that this is like uh, moving with the with the skyline. And it's like way up there. So clearly it's like not supposed to be there and not there on the other day yeah, again, yeah. right? Right. So I was like, all right, that had to be some sort of space something that's not not any UFO. An anomaly. We'll yeah, call it something, yeah. right? I didn't ever, never claim it to be anything cool or anything. I just want to know. It's like, do you, you know, do you, don't you feel like that's not supposed to be there right now? Yep. And then it clearly wasn't. I, and, and with MUFON and stuff here in Newfoundland, they're here. Like they, they watch this guy constantly for mm. stuff because there's not a whole lot of light pollution in Newfoundland. Like we're actually pretty fortunate that way. Um, I tell you what though, like you go to Terra Nova, you go around that area, you go camping at night and you look up and it's just. It's insane, like how much more stars you'll see, right? But it's there, there's definitely something to be said though for that phenomena. So, what kind, what parts of the paranormal do you actually like? Do you actually believe might be possible? Like me, I know ghosts are a fucking thing. Like they're there, man. Like it is just the way it is for me. That's why I can't investigate anymore because I truly do believe. Like no joke, no shit. Like there's something to it all. I'm not sure if it's exactly what everyone thinks a oogie boogie ghost is, but there's something to it. Is there something out there that, like, you feel like is real? Like, it's kind of paranormal, kind of off, that you think is the real deal? Mm, there's a few. 
Yep. Uh, and there's a couple. So, like, I think there's like certain stories and certain things. Like, there's a couple of Japanese things that I like. I'm like, man, that sounds like whoa. They they connect so much that I believe it to be true. There's one about I don't remember exactly, uh, but it's like a. People had to go over a cliff, and then they went into the into the water. They all had to commit suicide because they were going to be taken by the other village or whatever, some sort of war thing. And then in that one spot where everybody had had to commit suicide, mothers and sons and all that, there's this particular fish that's only there, and this fish looks so mad. And it's like a Japanese like lore thing about it. I'm not going to Google anything, but if my wife was here, she'd tell me exactly what it was because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Cause I, she knew what I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And they all believed that one to be true, right? Like mm. the people became the spirits of the people never left and they, they, they became an angry it, fish. Yeah, became this fish. And the fish looks pissed. Really mad. <laughs> really, really mad. But there, that's just that one, you know, small earthly things. But I personally believe that in the collective conscience, I believe that. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I don't know how. I hope that I live to see the scientific uh, dissection of this and the actual, like technological, like okay, here it is, and we can prove it, or we can show you how, or control it, or manipulate whatever it is. Just acknowledge that this is a thing. That I believe that with collective conscious, that it, I, I think there's like uh, something to the like astral projection, or you know, where when you go to sleep. You, you go somewhere and if they can harness that wherever you go or determine that where you, wherever you go or, cause I have a lot of lucid dreams and I remember a lot of whatever it is and I'm able to, I'm able to like literally say exit at times and get out. I know it sounds retarded, but that, that's seriously, that, that's after happening for, it's forever, right? And I believe that if there's people out there who have like a technological advantage to apply that to the studies of this type of thing, that it could be proven that Collective conscience, you know, is is a real thing. Not just with that, with the sleep aspect, but I just I believe that there's like something to collective conscience, like the, with your with your parents, like the um, Assassin's Creed game. I guess do they do something on that too with the ancestry or whatever? Like they go back and because your genes are able to see where you know something similar, not exactly like that, but something along the lines of due to your genetic disposition or whatever, your you're all you're connected to those people so it, like wherever you wherever that astral plane level shit is that's like all connected to them so sometimes you're able to go wherever they were or by accident or on purpose whatever i don't understand but I, sometimes it felt like i was in my sleep able to see things that uh i shouldn't have and I, like i proved it by accident to to my parents more than one time i asked them i was like in this particular place on like in the street to when you drove by here, was there ever like a pinball machine in in a window there? And my mom looked at me and was like, "Yeah, like what the fuck are you saying? Like how?" <laughs> and, and then I asked my father like a separate occasion, and he didn't have even close to the same reaction. He nonchalantly he's like, "Yeah, that's the that's the, the Mrs. McNabb's store. She sold fish and chips and had had machines in the window, and it's from a I wasn't a lot time." Right. So, like, I how dreamt, is it possible? I, I swear on my life and on my kids' life and everything that I dreamt about a place in the time, was able to remember it, asked them about this, and they told me independent of each other because they're divorced and not even close to each other at the time. <laughs> and they both they, they both were able to confirm it in their own individual way. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, how is that possible? Then if someone can get some technology and slap it on that, we can really have something. 
right? <laughs> like, we don't need to take hallucinogens. We just need to go to sleep and wake up, right? And yeah. and once again, like, I, I had a similar experience when I was under, when I was in my coma. That whole thing with that Indian god that showed up and was doing, smudging me and all this stuff. Like, that was something I, I was, I hate to say, I don't like using the word ignorant, but I was definitely not in the know, shall we say, of how a ritual that, that would be performed. And uh, when I had someone look at me like a professional, and no, no, man, that's like the North, you know, like actual, you know, Indian, Indian, North American Indian, like way of doing that with a shell and a feather and the motions, everything was down pat perfectly. Like that freaked me out because there's no way I would have that knowledge locked away in my head somewhere. It, it's It's not shared with you unless you're like a shaman or in that culture, right? So much like yourself, you had a dream of that. That pinball machine in that store and knew it was there. I'm like, it wasn't even, I wasn't that, I had a dream of driving down the road. And you were, and like, it was almost like you were your dad or your mom. Yes, that's exactly what it was. You embodied them and remembered them. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. That's a difficult one. (laughs) I know, it's crazy, but I'm trying to say because at first I thought it might have been me, baby, or something like that. But when they told me, no. When they, when, they, when they were able to time place it, then I was like, okay, well, I wasn't even alive. So how is that a thing? And there's no pictures. There's no nothing. That It was not – the store was the house, like, by the time of they were ever married. You know what I mean? Like, yep. before I was – long before I was born, years before I was born. It was never, ever a store from – like, no time at all. Mm. And But somehow I was able to – and because of my ability to remember lucid dream only – I was able. To, I didn't impact this at all. I just seen the thing. Like I had no impact on anything. I couldn't do anything <laughs> other than witness. That's right. But because I was able to remember and then ask the people with an independent, like kind of study, basically, you know, it is what it is. Like I asked one and to ask them separately, mm-hmm. but there was no chance for them to kind of manipulate the answer in any way. And for me, that made me feel like, wow, what? How is this? Yes. Do I have this ability? No, it's not ability. There's no ability. I believe we all have this thing. It just happens. happens. Do you think deja vu has anything to do with it? I think it's a whole, probably not our, like, it's a whole same umbrella, but not the same, not in this vein, but the same umbrella. Are there any other parts of the paranormal that you have interest in? Like, just throw things out for, like, Bigfoot. Interested? Not really. Maybe. Uh, yeah, all species like that, particularly, but not Cryptozoology, like, yeah, yeah, say. anything that, mostly aquatic, I guess, because I believe them to be actually, you know, discoverable. Yeah. But no, I, uh, I, I like past cultural things. So like undiscovered civilization. Yeah. Where, and I believe that Newfoundland probably still have some, has something here that we never found. I mean, like Indian type things, but even before them, but some sort of like past, Something is here on this island because it's so old. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, f- I feel too like uh, we're 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 very sheltered here from the rest of the world, and we don't really realize how big these places are until you get out there and look at them. Mm. And the ocean is very vast, so yeah. absolutely, it, you know they say we, we know more about the moon than we do about the bottom of our ocean. Like what the hell? Like is there a chance that all these big long like got to say Newfoundland again? No such thing as a giant squid. No such thing as a kraken. One washes up in Copenhagen, a baby, and it's the same size as me. Like, a full-grown adult would be eaten by a giant sperm whale, basically. That's the only predator it has. So, And then they end up filming the giant squid. 
Like it's been, it's, Japan, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, been, yeah, it's been yeah. filmed. So yeah. it does exist. So there, there's always the possibility, right? Have you ever had a paranormal experience? Is something I always ask people, and not necessarily what your your dream state thing. Like, you ever had a weird thing happen to you that was mm-hmm. kind of odd? No, uh, no. So only, only in reality, only in perhaps psychological things where I where I thought maybe oh this probably moved or that moved, but nothing. It was I, I don't believe anything. No. It doesn't mean that, that I'm not discrediting anybody else's, you know, any of events. But you know, basically, I believe in that it could happen. But to me, nothing has ever occurred like that. Only, only when I'm asleep do anything ever happen. Astral projections with pyro. I it, like it. That legit happened, man. Yeah, that's gonna I'm be cool. It, if we can find, and the fact that you're talking about it tonight means you're probably gonna remember something out of night. That'd be interesting. Hopefully, well, I I, uh, maybe I hope so, but I don't. It never ever worked for it like that. But whatever, I remember everything that happens in the dream. But, but, yeah, but I, I don't. Usually, are ones that can be manipulated, but ones mm. that like where I have no impact in, like that one. Yep. That they they seldom happen. Like they're seldom. I wish I had the ability to control myself in a dream, but I don't remember my dreams at all. But I think I had really bad sleep apnea. I think that might be the reason why. Yeah, I got pretty bad apnea now. I think I really got to lose some weight. <laughs> Speaking of weights, how are we doing with the workouts and stuff? Like, you mentioned ring shape. Mm. We're going to go back to wrestling again. Like, I'm getting ready. Yeah. Are you feeling a bit better? Like, more confident in your body yet? Mm. Like, are you realizing maybe you're a little bit more flexible than you thought? A little bit more limber? See, I always kept doing stuff when there was nobody around. And I always had my own rock wall and my own thing. So, basically, I'm only worried about falling down again because I'm, I've still been able to jump and, and fast. And I'm... I'm I, Really small anyway, so I just need to get a little bigger, muscular again. Uh, my my main problem is uh, the confidence thing. Now that my family's gone in Japan for the length of time that they had to go, I have a considerable amount of time to focus on myself for in this small window of time. And like, it's like I got to seize the opportunity and truly uh, harness abilities that I never used in a long time. And uh, I'm I believe it to be a slow process not too slow but like i can't just expect to go and slap on everything that i had before and and get it up and i also at the same time can't expect to get like sookie about not be able to do it right away the first time because look nobody just had i, I got a lot of responsibilities with my family i don't have, and my work i don't have time to do those things like i uh, on a normal basis, but now that I do have time, I can actually do it. So until then, there's like a legitimate cause why you can't focus, and that is shogunayo, and it's like absolute definition. You can, it's all you can do, and I, I had no choice but to commit to that, and I really am glad that's this, my form of existence. I think there's going to be uh, a shift from wanting to be the best wrestler. Let's get our show going. I think the shift is going to be let's prepare for. Let's get ready to train now. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the having your body at a strong enough and most flexible point so that when we do start our training, because we know people, it's gonna happen. Like that's just that's just all gonna come for us. It's got to now. God wouldn't put all this in front of us without some kind of repercussion, so to speak. He wouldn't make all this happen. He yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't put the law in there. He I wouldn't totally say here, here listen, this is all right. We're going to give you back everything that was taken away from you when you were very young, and it's all back now. Do something with it. And 
this is all going to work out great. We're going to have our training facility, so to speak. We're, we're, we're going to let people in on that and we're, we're going to have people there. And once again, we're still not saying the name of this promotion. We're still not saying who's involved. You know, me and Carl are involved anyway, right? Who's the third man? <laughs> we're not saying his name either. <laughs> I heard his name was Wince. I heard his name was Wince McMahon. Wince McMahon is actually Carl's cat. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he dropped one. Yeah. About time you started to sell over there. About time you started saying something, Wins. You know, uh, we're going to wrap this up now, Carl. All right. So, anything special planned for your return to the ring? Like, is there something that you're you're starting to plan now that you like? We just give us a little something to kind of tie us over because you know, when it when it happens, it's going to be super exciting. So, but people are going to be waiting another long time yet before we're ready to actually do this in their shows and stuff. So. You know, can we can we give them something tonight? A little tidbit here at the very end of the podcast, just to kind of keep them interested, to kind of kind of put the breadcrumbs out there for Hansel and Gretel to the new promotion. What what can we tell them? Well, I can tell people first of all, in who are watching wrestling right now in Newfoundland and have been to keep enjoying it because there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy what you've been enjoying as it's been given to you, but. I want people to also prepare to be ready to enjoy a different format of wrestling show per se and a different format of wrestling product than what's currently been uh, normalized here in Newfoundland with um, a production style uh, untapped or unharnessed or I don't know what the word you want to use, but it's unseen before uh, currently here unrushed. There's no, we have no, there's no haste. To, to force this out. Um, and, and again, I'm not hating on anybody who's having a good time. If who does have haste, that's cool. There's a lot of time in my life where haste was, you know, the priority. Right now, it isn't. And I want people to expect, um, you know, uh, uh, some lights and some glamour, a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of pizzazz. <laughs> I mean, a bit more than what you see this. If you see this guy's face right now, you'd be cracking up laughing. Hey, man, I had, he's, he's, I had something in my eye for like a long time and it got out there about like 15 minutes after my spirits rose a bit. Yeah. You know? But if you, if, when you get to see what we all got coming uh, with the promotion, there's a lot, there's a lot uh, put into it so far and we got a lot further to go. I hope that we can get our uh, vision out there for everybody who wants to be involved to get involved. And, you know, for those who have seen what we've uh, seen before for all the many years in Newfoundland wrestling, some old faces maybe, perhaps, you know, some new faces, definitely. That's what I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that already in Newfoundland, but I want to see, you will see it even more with us, obviously. And hopefully some, some good bodies. I want everybody to be like, you know, Blitzing glamour, man. That's what I'm saying. I look at AEW right now, and I see how they're slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Their audience isn't expanding, but their reach is starting to expand now. WWE are all over the world, and they're only now starting to tap into places that aren't in North America. Like, you start to see WWE over there now in Qatar soon. You're going to see them in these big places. They're already in Saudi Arabia making billions. Like, they're going to go globally. AEW, like I'm telling you right now, they keep playing their cards right and doing everything they're doing. Like, give it another few more. And we knew it was probably, it takes 10 years. Let's be honest. Like, really, it does take 10 years. There has to be a history there. But they're going to slowly start to swell up in their numbers. I, I, I 
They've been really stuck at a million viewers a week. I, I think that's going to change for them because their stories are starting to line up a little better. Their production is starting to get a little better. The kinks are out. Some of the old guys are gone now. Some of the new guys are coming in. I'm hoping that when people come from the mainland and wrestle in Newfoundland, it's going to be like a territory. So they can come and wrestle. Imagine if all... Uh, we bought a sounds of things. There's probably going to be 10 promotions on the go by the time we get on the go. Like <laughs> There's a new promotion every month. It's true. But yeah. None of them are, are offering, with all respect to all the promotions, none of them are offering the vision of what we are already offering before we're even, we're not even started. And we're already witnessing that, look, we're already different than everybody else. And we're not even started yet. So imagine when we're ready to start, how much the dip, like the gap of difference is going to be. And it is what it is. It's like there's going to be a large gap of what we are doing compared to what's being done and has been being done here for so long. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunity that everybody's, a lot of work has been put into this, a lot of time and money so far, everybody's effort, a lot of, a lot of stress on families. Uh, it's just what comes with these type of endeavors. And, you know, and I, I'm grateful to be a part of it and I uh, can't wait for everybody else to be a part of it as well. Something different than what you're all used to. I can't wait to put the boots back on. I'm very, very excited. Mm. And I think when I go out and wrestle now, it's going to be a different feeling altogether. This is, I got to tell a story. I don't know how many, you know, we talk about the bump card. Everyone, every wrestler has a bump card. We don't know how many bumps they got left. Right. Like we're, we're out there to tell a story. And, and we got the ending, for me anyway, in mind already. Like, that's the purpose of this. It's to, to be able to take the step back and be, okay, we got new guys now who can do this. And my, my hope is that we well, – I think my dream come true for our first show would be to see the kids that used to come watch us wrestle be there with their kids. I thought about that so many times. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're, they're cheering. Right. And I would love to see that. I think that would be, like, the coolest thing because they haven't seen us since what? Well, they haven't seen me since 2012. That's true. That's my last match. When was yours? Even before then. Oh, yeah. 15 years That's ago. right. You didn't do the UNW show. I did nothing. I was doing my own thing then. So, you were doing- Self-absorption. Yep. You were doing 2000 and- Like the last CW, NCW show? Was that 2008. The last? Wow. That's a, that's a long years, time ago. Right? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Mm. 15 years. Holy shit! That's a long time to be out of the ring. I, I, I mean, I, I'm starting to think that we're going to be really, really excited. Are we going to be able to run a promotion? You know, Carl, I'm not sure if we're smart enough to get a ring or have the ability to do all this. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Carl Hanrahan and John Mallard, two very, very smart dudes who are in a very good place in their lives, who cannot wait to have every wrestler in the promotions come to us and say, "Wow, this is this is totally different." And we definitely want to be down with this. Yeah. I, I think once they see what we have planned, they're going to be like, wow, this is really exciting. Like, I want people to be excited to come to wrestle again. Yeah. And it reverberates. When that kind of stuff happens, it makes other promotions say, okay, we got to step up our game. That's going to be cool, too. And I, and I really want that. I want to disrupt a little bit here. Right? Mm. I don't want to come in and say, yeah, here's our promotion, throw a few flowers on a pole, and we're done. Yeah. That's nice. We're been there, done that. Didn't get paid much. <laughs> I never got paid ever. Really? I had to pay for everything. Jeez. I paid for all my own tables, all my own letters, all at one time usually. So if, if yeah. you saw that me go through three tables at once or six tables in a match and the ladder, 
I either had to buy that ladder that day or two shows before or something like that. They only ever lasted two or three shows at a time. And they cost like $180 in tax. You can right. Google it. That's true. And I never got paid a cent. Mm. Ever once. I can remember I won Extreme. No. I won the title. Uh, the Atomic Wrestling Entertainment title. EWE. I won their belt as a heel. And uh, I got paid that show and a couple of shows. That's one thing I'll say about EWE. They paid me. Until the, the original owners left, I was paid every show. It wasn't much. They gave you something, though. Right? What was it like twenty or forty? Maybe. I think. See, I think we got that's like standard indie fed thing back in the day. But back know? then, we also give you a jug of beer and free wings. See, that's cool so like hot dog and a handshake, man. Let's do it. Right, like, exactly. We wouldn't care. We were used to paying to wrestle, not get paid exactly. and fed. And to pay we for were everything. so grateful for anything exactly. at all. So it was a different, a different mentality. I'm and still uh, grateful to have. To have even though I had to pay for all this stuff, I'm grateful oh. to have done it. Well, this is this is what kills me about it. You got all these guys then who'll say, "Well, you paid to wrestle. You're what's wrong with the. You're what's wrong with wrestling." And it's like, no, boy. Like we're gonna come in now, and you're gonna be begging, <laughs> begging to be a part of it. I think there's a a lot to be said too for what we've already accomplished. What we've already accomplished, like this is gonna be a fed of firsts. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are going to be absolutely dumbfounded when they see what we have managed to do. If they only knew what we had now, they would crack the drawers, I think, personally. Yeah, and probably try to quickly rip it off. Uh, I don't think they could or rip sorry, off. I used the wrong term. Probably try to quickly raise their own bar to emulate their own thing that would be equal or greater than what we have presented. So if not rip off, make better than. It's the nature of the games, all the all yeah. businesses like that. One idea and one-upsmanship to so to effectively one-up the uh, next one. I already see it in Newfoundland wrestling where, you know, one group of guys start up and they take what works with other people and they put their own stuff in there and, and hopefully it elevates it, right? Mm. Suddenly the, the flyer looks way better. Like, I think of the original flyers that we used to deliver, black and white. You could barely see anything it was, on it. It was a different time. It was a different time. But, but even they got better, though. Yeah, they did. They got better. They got more color and they had yeah. the entranceway and stuff like that. They got. Remember, yeah. we had the color flyers that time. We were like, man, these are badass. Color flyers for a long time. Yeah. And they were, they were, their boss were doing them okay for the time. But like, I got to always look, I'll never throw shade, even though I have, mm. I've been excluded and exiled by certain people and parodies for many years. I, I never, in, even from the shadows here or from whatever you call it, never threw shade at them. I always, when I seen the promotions, first promotion, uh, LCW get to the TV, I was like, man, you That's know, so great. Fuck, yeah, good for them. Like they got, they, yeah. they did that, they rose the tide. I, you know, I never even tried to try to be part of that because I was I was not around. I didn't care wrestling. But it's weird I to think still, that TV is like obsolete now. I know, but <laughs> but like, still, look, but back then it was a big deal. Step after step after step after yep. step. Okay, and that was the first time that that was that one step that they they broke they broke that barrier. And I was like, okay, I really respected anybody who got to be a part of that and blah blah blah. But the moving forward, then the next time anybody else is able to rise the tide, I'm always able to, to like in, show in my own way appreciation for that. I never ever threw shade. I always was like, oh, you know, good for them. Like you're able to rise the tide and I wish I could be a part of some of them sometimes. But now it's our time to rise the tide and it's a different, it's just like everyone before in their own way and I respect them. They were, they respectfully, you know, gave the, tides arise or whatever now our way is going to be 
I don't know if more, equal to or greater than is what I'm trying to say than every other time the tides rose. And I believe that we, just like every other time, you will, people will remember, yeah, remember that, that was cool. Just like I just tried to say about when they got on TV. Yep. It's, it's a very strange thing for us because we're a part of a history, I feel, that's got swept under the rug. Yeah. By a lot of different promotions. And rightfully so. You don't want people to live in the past. You you gotta have your own product. And if you can repackage something that's worked and make it work for you, great. Right? But the, but the reality of it is, you know, I, I really wish there was like a wrestling, like, Museum here, yeah, Hall of Fame, right? A tangible, uh, something for people to to be able to remember. Like, to, mm-hmm. we we shouldn't have to show people archive footage of Sailor White. Like, we should have his picture and his something. replica title on the wall, like yeah. somewhere where people can see it. And, yeah, and know that he was the first. And a memory of every promotion. In Smalley, look, you don't need to have shrines to everybody because some people don't deserve a shrine, but they deserve to be remembered. And uh, look, this is what happened in this time. Yeah. Thing for big or small, you know. And you, I agree. You gotta you, you gotta leave certain aspects of of certain individuals where they belong in in the past. But to deny the existence of of all the feds, the NCWs, the CEWs, and the PWAs, and the EWEs, and the, ah, there was like two or three more after that that I wasn't a part of, but I still show respect to for trying their best and getting trying to get on the go. It's like, man, you got to always remember them too, you know? That again, don't, don't put like all your time and effort into making sure that there's everything for everybody, knocking on doors and being like, can I have your old, you know, boot or something, <laughs> something like that. But don't be afraid to show it like, okay, we remember this is how it was then. And we remember every time the tides rose and we, res- we respectfully acknowledge every time without forgetting about the lost. That's the one thing I want when our first product to be uh, people to feel is like we remember the lost. There's a lot of people like who are not around anymore and for whatever reasons, you know, and all the ones that deserve to be remembered will just have a, have a nod to the lost to those who are not a part of or who are dead straight up. You know who had a, who had a Steve, place in wrestling. Steve Lake comes to mind for sure. Yeah, for exactly. Me. Yeah, prime number big, one. Big, big, big. Right away. Right away. Dude was in my very first Newfoundland wrestling show. It was NCW. I was probably about eleven. It was uh, Gordy Glenn was like the ruthless widowmaker. Uh, Paul and them were a tag team. I was a kid, kid up in Paradise, uh, something, whatever, like rec center. I was I was a kid and. Stan Steve was the announcer. He was the first wrestling announcer I, I ever heard in Newfoundland. And and then he became our announcer when I was, you know, a wrestler myself. And Which was really cool. He and, was and, cool. and side fact, he was also the first ever uh, independent wrestler. Believe it or not, that worked for two different promotions. Okay. Which is a really cool little thing. He, he actually worked... Uh, NCW as an announcer, guest announcer, one at Prince of Wales okay. Arena, and he also worked CW two days Same two way. days before and cool. after, and he had an FTW thing too, I believe. Oh yeah, right, that's the other one. So there was another was promotion. The same one at the same time. So like right. he that's he has right. a lot of accolades, but nobody knows that, and they're all erased in history now. Mm. Like how much would I like to pay homage to him? Big oh, time. I'm gonna find out. So I'm, I'm gonna come up with something. See for his him. hat. One of his hats would be perfect. Would be the thing. That Picture him in his hat yeah. in a little glass case. Just to say, yeah. Steve Lake, and, and this is what he was. Yeah. Like, something as simple as that. Absolutely. Like, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> his, his voice is one of, him and Mr. B's voice 
Hidden first, to be honest with you, is the one that when I'm able to think about wrestling and think about my, you know, you hear your name being called, you hear the the roar of the crowd, the allure of the arena, you hear it. Even long after, the voices of the many, they don't go away, you know. They stay in your head. They really do, man. And no matter how much you want to admit it or not, you you can't. It just they don't go away. You need to get it out of your system one way or another, or it never goes away. Like straight up. And his I, voice is the one that I hear the most now calling me to the ring. Without looking at any, any video or anything, just in your head to what you hear, you know? He had a very distinct voice, Mr. Bennett. And oh, yeah. uh, like I can remember uh, – I remember my first show at the Prince of Wales Arena and, you know, the bookers had changed my entrance name. Like I'd started off at Johnny Chaos and then they called me to Rookie Sensation. And then they, they billed me – from the school of hard knocks, I never knew anything about that. I thought you made that up. I never. And they just announced, they came up with that idea. They were like, you know, we don't want to say you're from Mount Pearl right now because we're trying to push you as a face. And there's Mount Pearl versus St. John's was a thing. That. And I was like, okay. And then they announced me from the school of hard knocks, the green, he was, he was the Johnny Chaos. And I was like, okay, like that's at least something, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the first time I ever did something that was booked. And, uh, you know, I can remember, Coming back and saying, I'm from school hard knocks. When did that happen? They're like, oh, crap. We forgot to tell you. Yeah, we needed you to be from somewhere. <laughs> I thought it came from that song that was out, you know, where from school, school hard knocks. It was like popular right then and back then. Yeah. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Probably. I believe so. <laughs> the evolution of um, what we were backyard wrestling as kids mm. to what we are now. Is 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 an interesting take, but there's it's funny how you're still Pyro and I'm still Johnny Chaos. Mm. Thirty years, like how many yeah. years have we been these characters, and can still be that character and turn it on in a heartbeat? I can't wait to see the new version of Pyro, and and to see how much of him is still there, and to see the new spin on it. That's going to be exciting. That's true. That's going to be exciting, and. And to know that, um, like we're we're gonna have a plan. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be good. And people are like, "You're just gonna be another indie fan." I'm like, "No, we're not at all. We're, we're gonna be something totally different. We're gonna be a show." Yeah. And and that's something no one's really wanted to be. They've always wanted to be an indie fed. Right, and having their wrestling shows. And that's cool, with all respect, because we had yep. a time where that was cool, but we're not looking to do that anymore. We right. had that like live theatrical wrestling performance. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have our own universe, our own little 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 mm. little pocket universe, so to speak, that people can just jump into and get lost in. And that's what I want. And yeah. I like that description a lot. That's, yeah, yeah. It's accurately described. And what what happens with a lot of people is that they've They've forgotten what it's like to get lost in wrestling. That's what happened in the Attitude Era. You you became a part of that. And everyone hated their boss. Mm. No one likes their boss. And all of a sudden, you got someone out there beating the shit out of his boss. Guess what? He's the most over person on the planet right now. That's Stone Cold Steve Their Austin. video packaging is what and and how they how they present characters to you in in like sometimes they they give you a small dribble 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 then bam or sometimes they give you a big bam right away. It's oh like, yeah, I I believe that that's what's always kind of been lost here. It's just they just here's a guy and he's gonna wrestle this guy and that's it. Yeah, it's like okay, there's no build up, there's no that's reason because cool they could still have a fun match and I, I'm not hating on that either. But it's yep. like I want to have like. 
here's this guy who you all know does this for this reason because he's this character and you're expecting him to do this with this music because you know him already yeah. due to his video packaging and due to his like you know no rush not yeah. due to his lack of haste <laughs> it's like no we need to have a we need to have a show every month and and, and the car's gotta be good we gotta get the flyers out that's not good enough anymore no. like it has to be I want to create memories for people I want people to remember tonight Johnny Chaos ended his career I want that to be a vivid memory for anybody who's out there and I can't wait I, I got the end in mind for me that's that's another thing too that's different this time around like the end is, is near for really it got to be near for us yeah. we're old now Super but old. but who do we put you know who do we pass the the flames and candlesticks on to Carl <laughs> I mean I got a little Kaz maniac you know he's five years old right now but I got a lot of hopes and aspirations for that guy and his natural ability at this time. Remember, he is half Japanese, guys, and you got to understand that his family are super hardworking, like, and they're, they're like naturally gifted people too. There's so combined with my athleticism and then their like will and, and natural abilities as well. He's got some. Like, basically, he can jump farther than I could at this age. Everything he can do now, I know for a fact that it's way beyond what I was capable of at that point in time. He pushes himself beyond what I was. And that combined with the stability in his home that he has here and the ability to thrive in an environment where people can actually give him the time and sometimes space if needed to, to be nurtured and to nurture his, his like, okay, don't be afraid to jump. But if you're going to jump, take move down to this step. Okay, now jump a bit farther out. Okay, now, man, you did it. Now move up to that step. And I know, you know, he's, he's not going to get hurt, right? Like, I, I, I team up with him to build his confidence. And he shows me over and over again that, look what I can do. And I, I'm not saying it all the time, but I'm thinking, whoa, that's definitely more than what I could do. <laughs> yeah. And if we take that and apply that to... 10 years from now and give him, you know, all this, all this proper, you know, for lack of a better term, nourishment to get all these things at a level that can just grow and thrive. I believe he can have the potential to, you know, to do what I couldn't 10 times over if he really wanted to. And it seems like he already does. Happened to me today. I put my trampoline up on Monday yeah. in my backyard, big old trampoline for the kids, right? And uh, I looked out at Faith, and Faith is out there, and she's just taking the perfect bumps on that. Like, she's a 12-year-old girl. Faith is big. Faith's almost the same size as me. She's big for her she's age. Tall, she's, she's a tall, tall girl man. and thick. Like, she's not – she got my body shape. She, she cries about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I don't want to look like you. I'm like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're yeah, a your sister used to be like paper thin, and even she grew up to be like regular. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, we're gonna start talking about my sister. I'm caught you. I'm not hating. I'm gonna cut you off. I don't want to hear nothing no, about my f-ing sister. There is no hate. Christ. I just say, food glorious food. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she, she still is a singer. You know, she's she just recently was on an ad for on NTV actually for uh, some kind of law firm or something. Anyway, to go back to Faith, I look out, she's doing the flip bumps, perfectly landing on her back. I look at her doing, and I'm just like, man, like you got this ability in you that took me years to beat into me. Like you can just do it, and this generation, like it's 
I worry that the social aspect of them will keep them away from the ring because it is a very social thing. There's a lot of politics behind mm-hmm. the scenes in wrestling. I always wonder if we're going to be at a disadvantage that way with our children. And and rightfully so. Rightfully so. We should always be worried about our kids. But hey, faithy chaos. Got a ring to it? Faith chaos. I was thinking more like, uh, you know, Kaz and Sam, you know? Sam <laughs> Sam, Sam, honestly, no interest in wrestling whatsoever. I bet you any money when the if we had to get a ring set up, he our this we'd be yeah. a different conversation about this right now. Yeah, I believe that it will ignite <laughs> in him. His Kaz is minimally interested in it too. But when he sees when he sees the ring and and how its magnitude, and he sees us and in our and our stuff and our outfits and our things, they're gonna just be like. First, they're going to want to run around and to be allowed to go in and run around. They're going to be doing flat out and the jumping off the ropes, standing on the ropes, jumping off the ropes. Yeah. I can picture Sam doing it now. I like an ultra picture. Kind of <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Even Matt said that. Is, uh, yeah. 100%. It's, it's kind of cool to think that uh, our kids, like, will we, will we be around to see them put on boots and wrestle? Is I believe I will be. And I think, I hope I am. I really do. I would love to see that. And also, it means that you didn't sell the ring, which would be really great. I I'm, super not. I'm super not. Never, ever selling Kaz that ring. Kaz is going to have a chance to sell that. I won't. There you go. Good. Yeah, that, that, that's a fact. Like This is a recording, and like many of my recordings, <laughs> like, they're facts, and I'm not, I'm not going to sell that. I'm not going to sell that. that you ring, hear that? You hear that out there, all you wrestling promoters? Back off. Get your own sandwich. <laughs> no, well, old, old man told me, you know, we could do this, we could do that. That could have been a Corvette, like a, like a you know, a, a lower level Corvette. Think about it, man. The yeah, money, that's a lot of money. It is. It truly is. Right? The money I spent in that. Do you, just to kind of, you know, we're kind of gone over anyway, but, uh, you know, do you feel in your heart like this is something that's going to happen in 2023? Or do you feel like we might be still getting it started and doing our filming and all this kind of stuff? Like, where do you, where do you feel like this is going as of right now? Because it's, it almost feels like we're ahead of schedule in a lot of ways. Mm. I did not expect to have the ring first, ever. So I'm super happy with that. But like, where do you feel like... Like, do you think we're going to have a show in 2023, or do you think that's pushing it? Like, honestly. Cause I honestly feel like the first show, not has to be, but I, there's a, nothing has to be. Our filming has to be, but for a lack of a better term. But I think that the first show should be this year. I think that I feel like we got enough time in the summer with the amount of time that I have to focus on uh, mastering the, the, you know, controllers and things to be able to actually function the filming aspect of what we need to because it is an endeavor there's no doubt about it one yep. that's never been done yet and it's every time I try to I think I'm like learned enough there's always something else it's like, oh my god <laughs> really this this but hey we keep doing it you sound and, like me trying to learn how to use Sony Vegas man, like, the video editing stuff you'd be like oh cool I mean I learned how to do a transition oh god there's 48 oh no <laughs> brutal yeah, it's like this technology. It's great, but it's like there's learning curves every time. So we got to keep trying to like figure it all out. But given the amount of time that I have and I and the focus that I can put towards it, I think that and also your energy that you bring to the table because it seems like two of us are the are only ones with the energy that requires it. Other people have the heart sometimes, and other people got the other aspects like you know that are requiring. Uh, 
and to really help to get it off the ground. But it seems like two of us got the same, same as we did when we were children, had the same drive and the same kind of creative like juices that flow independent and then together just like you get you get more and people get that off us too like so it's not just us that benefit from that it's anyone else that's a part of that we were always thinking of other ideas for everybody else it was just about ourselves we naturally thought of ideas for everybody else around us all the time and it made everything else better and i believe that to be applied to our product so as long as we can get that on bit of that on film and practice enough then there's no nothing holding us back from having a show before the end of the year. It's do just think, the practice aspect. Do you think it's possible to have an import from Japan? What do you mean? Like, do you think it's possible to actually have people from Japan come with us, given oh. the... Oh, definitely. Yeah? I mean, I don't know, but, like, no, I know for a fact no top name, but, um, like, she when I was... Last time I was here, because she has friends all over the place in Tokyo, so this is, this is no bullshit. She, I could have got... Uh, like, um, you know, Ninja Warrior? Yeah. So I could have got, a, a, just, they would have taken my tape. Wow. Yeah. So not just like, you know, like internet application, like someone would have had like, someone. Would have been like, no, no, this is like this guy doing ninja stuff in his backyard. Like you need to well, see this. Well, I, I have, you know, back then I had all my stuff set up and, just, and it, yeah. I had to do a good enough tape. Did you have that salmon ladder thing? I did. I had salmon ladder rolls on my ceiling. I had all the works and plus the rock. I off. still can't do a chin I up and I'm the, like 40. Uh, the cliffhanger, <laughs> the ultimate cliffhanger. I set up my basement. Yeah. It wasn't as great as the one on TV. The drop was the shit, but it was still a drop and it was still, you know, hand over hand, two inches deep. I did it. I did it, you know? And, uh, I, if I had to hand in the table, I would have got that. So she got connections. That's how we get the SS seating all the time for the jet, for the wrestling show. Right. Right. It's, you're able to. So you, you, not only did you marry, you married smart girl. Yeah. Well, she, <laughs> she married me too, but I didn't. I didn't we found each other and it just worked out that that the two hard working individuals had you know just came together and then now her family and, and her connections and everything just <laughs> flow over to me and, and everything I do flows over to her too so it, it's a give and take there and it's an in, in a, a unique kind of uh, benefit for me I guess you know to get that because if I, if I didn't marry her um, if I wasn't a part of a Japanese family I never would have any influence from their culture and I guess I'd be kind of uh a little bit more closed-minded like I was before. It felt like my eyes opened up more when I got over there. And my basically, I realized that sometimes I was more to blame for the problems that were around me and, and that the problems that continued to occur uh, than I previously was willing to admit because of... That's what they just naturally do anyway. They Like, if they do something, they own it immediately. There's no bullshit. Just bing, bang, boom, own it. Let's go to work. And it's true, seriously. And that's the kind of way I realized, like, you know what? I I need to do that a little more, you know, and and be more uh, accountable for my own actions. And I realized how many times were you like a piece of shit to somebody who didn't deserve it kind of thing, uh, only with your base level of, of like, self-absorption. And I, and I realized that that's something that's, you know, that Japanese don't do. Hmm. So, Wins, you're coming up to say hi to us. <laughs> you might pause that anyway guys let's call it a night it's getting late I gotta go home and go to bed alright I, I gotta get some sleep how am I supposed to sleep I drank a what, you, what is it you gave me was it a rock star I mean, to drink oh sorry I Minatsu mean, drink your rock star she told me to give it to you <laughs> god love her she's always so sweet <laughs> I'm so glad I have sweet Asian people in my life Right. Who are nice to me. Lauren's wife is Asian as well, and she's always been a sweetheart. She also shares the love of Final Fantasy that I have. And uh, Kenny Omega is a massive 
massive uh, Final Fantasy fan, right? Yes. So, in fact, his finisher is the one winged angel after Sephiroth. That's, that's all Final yeah. Fantasy Seven stuff. Um, but anyway, we'll call it a night there. Thanks so much for coming on. Carl right. slash P-O-R to the O slash Newfoundland Dragon Pyro. And wins. And wins. And shout out to Are You Afraid of the Dark Super Specs episode. Check it out. <laughs> I'm going to tag Are You Afraid of the Dark. You as well, man. Uh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get badged from the center wind on there. There you go. 